Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the On Texas Football Tuesday night live stream. I'm Blake Monroe, and of course, I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On, I'm sorry, of Inside Texas and On Three Sports. And uh, guys, it's June, and there's a lot going on, especially with recruiting. So let's jump right into it and uh, give us the rundown for those that haven't been paying attention lately of uh, kind of what's been happening in a nutshell. Well, if anybody hasn't been in Austin or Saraland, Alabama, um, here's what happened. K.J. Lacey uh, committed to Texas Saturday at about 3.30, uh, one of the top five quarterbacks in the country in the 2025 class, uh, a guy that some people project will end up in the top one or two quarterbacks in the country when all said and done. Uh, he committed at the Texas Elite Camp Saturday. He actually came in. I talked to K.J. Lacey today for a while. That interview's up on Inside Texas. KJ actually got in to Austin Friday with his family, uh, toured the facilities. He had been on campus for the spring game. He was in town at a seven-on-seven. But then he came back with his family, who wasn't there on that seven-on-seven trip, and toured the facilities Friday, went to dinner with Sarkeesian, Milwee, Arch Manning, some of those guys Friday night. Um, He told Sarkeesian after that dinner that he was committing to Texas. And then Saturday after the elite camp at 3.30 Central time, his, his, his commitment was announced to Texas via Hayes Fawcett of On3. Um, so Hayes got that news out there. KJ got that news out there. He is the first commitment for 2025. And what a way to start. Um, Texas has never, Bobby, to my knowledge, signed anybody out of Mobile, Alabama in football. So like Cedric Baxter last year, the number one running back in the country out of Florida had never signed with Texas. Uh, uh, KJ Lacey in 2025, uh, things hold that hold serve here will be the first prospect from Mobile to sign with the Texas football program. I, it's certainly the most highly rated one um, uh, ever. Yeah. Um, I can't remember another one. I, you know, other than Justice Finkley, I can't really remember many players from the state of Alabama uh, signing with Texas in the last 30 years. Uh, one note about KJ Lacey. We hope to have him on the show tonight uh, between 7.15 and 7.30. Uh, he is a uh, communicated with him. He's got the link. He's going to join us. We're going to ask him some questions. I want to be clear. We're not going to let fans ask KJ questions uh, because there's a reason there. Uh, We want to make sure we we keep it uh, clean and everything else for for him. Uh, And uh, he's a good good guy. And we want to make sure we we, uh, play it by the book here. Uh, Blake, uh, other things that are going on. I would say that, you know, Texas is really getting ready for the, the big month of June. Yep. Uh, Reiner Swanson was the first official visit. Uh, then they had all these juniors in. Uh, now they're going to have another little camp with some defensive linemen. And then really it starts June 16th. Like, I mean, it's going to be, you know, 45 plus visitors in a two week time frame. Uh, so we're monitoring largely what people are doing elsewhere. Like Ty Anthony Smith, for example, linebacker for Jasper, visited AM over the weekend. He did not commit. Uh, Justin Wells spoke with him today. Uh, he went up there to AM with his grandmother for the first time. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Bryant Wesco, a wide receiver out of Midlothian, committed to, to Clemson a couple hours ago. So really what we're trying to do right now is kind of see where all the pieces are falling, right, um, and uh, go from there. I will say this about Bryant Wesco. He was not a, in the first group for Texas. Yeah, and he, and he never scheduled an official visit. I mean, so even after Chris Jackson went over there during a spring evaluation period, they never got him on campus. 
Um, and he was a bit – Wesco was a big Oklahoma lean. Uh, his, his sister uh, was playing soccer at Oklahoma. Um, and then is, I guess, not now or not expected to return. So that, I think, turned the Oklahoma lead on Wesco. Uh, but it looks like it was coming down to Clemson and LSU. He went to Clemson, game over. I mean, you know, so that – look, we've talked about Corey and Gibson. This, that's the way that, you know – you have to approach this recruiting with Davo Sweeney is we talked about Corey and Gibson and the, the, the Clemson push for him. Dabo gets these guys very much like Mac Brown. He gets these guys in the boat early. So with Corey and Gibson, if he doesn't commit to Clemson this week and he goes on with the recruiting process, uh, then it starts looking better and better for Texas. And by the way, I'm holding off a sneeze here. So if I have to go away for a second, <laughs> I think I got some Chick-fil-A up my nose or something, uh, but uh, which would not be the first time. And it may not have been the first time today, uh, by the way. So, uh, but with Corey Gibson, I mean, that's D- Dabo's pushing for this commitment. He's trying to get the kid off the board. He's trying to get him to publicly commit. They got Sammy Brown. And now they got Bryant Wesco, two top 50 kids in the country. So if Gibson doesn't commit and, and, and he continues with this recruiting process, this visit process, that's good news for Texas. It's, a, it's one of those things, Jerry, where I think we're right now, we're, we're in the midst of it, and we can all feel the kind of oncoming rush. We want to get to everyone's questions tonight. Uh, before we do that, we have some ha- housekeeping yeah. to do. Uh, that includes our advertiser, Energy Texas. Energy Texas, here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns. With our Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month, you can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. Enjoy Texas-sized rewards and excellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. That's www.energytexas.com. All right, guys. Well, of course, the questions are already rolling in. We encourage everybody to get your questions in. Uh, And as Bobby said, we'll have KJ on here shortly. But let's go ahead and jump to a couple of questions in the meantime. This one comes from Callum G. And he says, Jerry, updates on the transfer portal for basketball. Yeah, I think um, Texas is looking for at least one more guard, maybe two. Um, I think it's going to have to be a grad transfer. Um, somebody uh, that pops into the portal as a grad transfer. I'm not sure they technically have to go to the portal. But uh, I think a grad transfer is, is the best bet for Texas right now. And I do think there's going to be some options available. I uh, wouldn't be surprised me if they don't add two more players and have 11 scholarship players at the end of the day. Right now they have nine. Uh, the team has started workouts, by the way. They posted some photos on the Texas uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts. They did testing uh, with the guys that are there right now. And uh, Kendall Weaver tested off the charts athletically, by the way. Just the, the sprints, the vertical testing, the lateral movement skills, the, the, uh, the UT Arlington transfer, the WAC freshman year tested really well. Uh, Max Asmus already shooting the ball really well. Tyrese Hunter, Brock Cunningham kind of leading by example with their leadership on the, on the workouts. But to answer that question, I'm looking for a couple more scholarship players before it's all said and done. I, I like that number to hit 11, um, and, and we'll see where that comes, but most likely grad transfer. All right. This next question here from Mark Wangle, and kind of going back to Wesco. He says, who has Wesco pegged to Clemson? That was out of left field. Well, you know, Wesco's not a kid that does a lot of interviews. So it, it, he was interesting when the Oklahoma news came out. And, you know, in, in the industry, we knew Oklahoma had slipped and they weren't going to get him. Uh, we started to hear a little more chatter about LSU. 
Um, but then obviously Clemson became a school for him, especially after he visited there. And, and look, I mean, that's, that's the kind of what we've talked about with Corey Gibson. These kids have grown up, especially this class right now, those kids watch Alabama and Clemson split five national championships essentially. Right. So that's what they know. Definitely. Well, uh, before we get to the next questions, Bobby, I know that you uh, had a, a question of the week, of course, po- posted over there on the YouTube channel. And if we can get it up here and it's who will be the most impactful true freshman of 2023 and I, or in 2023, rather not surprised by the answer. Anthony Hill, of course, leading with 72% overwhelming majority there. Um, what's y'all's thoughts on that? I, I mean, I, I, I think that poll is, is spot on. I think Anthony Hill is the guy that is projected to probably start at will linebacker. I mean, of all these guys, he's the guy that I think has the best chance to start. Um, and you know, look, you see what happens with Kelvin Banks. He was a freshman starter last year, Cole Hudson, freshman starter last year. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me, especially after Anthony Hill's strong spring game showing. And then you realize Cedric Baxter is probably going to start the season as the backup to Jonathan Brooks. Manny Muhammad probably starts the season as a backup corner. John Tay Cook obviously starts uh, the season as a backup wide out. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. It's Anthony Hill. I, I went with the, I voted myself and I voted Anthony Hill. You voted on your own poll. <laughs> so there's that, right? Um, I literally, I thought Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter, but I also, you know, I'm the one that created the poll question, just to be clear. Um, and I thought Jonte Cook and Manny Muhammad were the other two. I almost uh, thought about putting um, DeAndre Moore on there. And if they were to have been a spot for a fifth, a fifth, I probably would have went him because he's a sneaky guy in that if Jordan Whittington gets hurt, I'm not so sure that they just don't ride with him on the inside. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and Jordan has had one fully healthy season at this point, yeah. knock on wood. And, and so that was my thought process there. But look, if Anthony Hill, I think Anthony Hill's the most naturally gifted pass rusher on the Texas campus right now. And that's as a freshman. And so all three of us and everyone listening to this show right now knows how badly Texas needs a pass rush. That's just reality. And so I I think everybody is not only hopeful, but uh, the signs he showed in the spring, uh, hopefully they continue on uh, into the season. For sure. All right, guys. Well, uh, we have a special guest in the studio, and it's Texas' newest commit, K.J. Lacey. There he is. There he is. (laughs) So, Jerry, I'll let you take it away. Well, I mean, look, now we know who the best quarterback of the four of us is. We felt like (laughs) my shoulder was dead. I couldn't throw it 20 yards. So, thank goodness KJ came on to this uh, live stream. (laughs) Hey, KJ, it was great to talk to you on the phone today. Um, Congratulations on your commitment to Texas. I guess for the Texas fans who haven't maybe read the stories, why was it Texas? And kind of what led to that decision? Um, uh, thank you for having me on here, first of all. But, Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, it was really just, like, you know, the love that Coach Sark and Coach Miller were showing. That was, like, one of the main things. And, you know, uh, Austin, it's beautiful out there. So, uh, that was, like, one of the, like, that was a huge factor on everything. But, um, you know, Coach Sark being, like, the offensive, like, mastermind he is, quarterbacks, all that, uh, that was, like, they also played, like, a really big part. So, that, that uh, kind of. I guess, like, uh, maybe lean towards that way mostly. 
Hey, by I'm, the way, you're the first you're the first six A state champion from Alabama ever on, ever on the on Texas football show. So there's gonna be a lot of firsts for you today, man. Okay. <laughs> hey, KJ, I had a question for you. How, how did your recruiting process start with Texas? Uh, was it Sark or AJ Milwee that reached out first? And how did y'all uh, begin conversation? How long have you known them? I mean, do you know any of these guys going back to their time at Alabama? Even? So I really didn't um, know anything about them while they were at Alabama. Uh, I kind of just started learning about them after I got the offer. Um, uh, how it all – it started um, – let's see. They – all right, so coach, my coach sent me Coach Milby's number. I called him. And then um, we kind of just started building our relationship from there, just uh, picking out a day that we had to call, what time on that part. And then like a couple weeks into me calling him and everything, um, he gave me a number, and he was like, this is our head coach. Call Coach Sark. I FaceTimed him, and then uh, that's when he offered me. And what, what was it that that uh, finally pushed you over the top to commit to Texas over – I mean, look, we know you've had scholarship offers from everywhere. Right. So yes, what, what was it, it – was it – you said the offensive-mindedness of Sark. Was it also a feel or anything like that? Because I'm sure – I mean, there may be – other guys that you also had comfortable, I mean, comfortable and had good offenses too. Why was it that 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 put Texas over the top? Really, it was really just like the relationships that I had with them. You know, I feel like comfortable being around them. To be honest, um, like I know, like when I get up there, they'll look out for me. When I get up there, uh, it just won't be any type of you know. I get up there and it's just um, it just starts everything over with our relationships and everything. So like it's gonna keep on going on while like once I get to Texas. Hey, a question for you, uh, KJ, quarterback position. So I've talked to your head coach. I've talked to David Morris. Right. And they all talk about uh, above the neck that you have that part of the, the equation, right? Um, yep. That you see the game, that you study the game, right? That you anticipate, you throw guys open. Um, talk about, I want to take you back to what I think is so important for a quarterback. Y'all want a playoff game 57-56, okay? Y'all were up by it. 24 nothing, then like 44-21, and then Homewood comes all the way back. Right. This is part of leadership, commanding, having a presence, and, and the team knowing that you're going to get them a win. Talk yeah. about how you handled those situations as a young quarterback, as a sophomore on a team of older players. So back to the Homewood game, that was the most intense game I've ever played in, uh, first of all. That game was – it was just so, like – it it was just – like, it was going slow at first because, you know, we were up by, I think, 34-7 going into halftime. Yeah. We came out of halftime. Everyone kind of, like, just – it was kind of like we just chilled out. We should have scored right before the half, but um, somebody ended up jumping off sides on my QB sneak, so it didn't count. And then I ended up getting sacked after that. Then we kicked the field goal. We made it. But, um, you know, we went to halftime. We didn't have the lead we were supposed to have with the momentum going in. So they kind of had momentum coming out of the half. And then they won, went on to score like seven touchdowns in a row. Um, uh, we, I think we got to like a fourth and 15 and uh, I rolled out to the left. I hit Ryan in the back of the end zone. So that kind of gave us a little bit more, more momentum, but then we ended up missing the field goal. So that's what kept them in the game. They came down, they scored two point conversion. Now we're going to overtime, but uh, you know, just, Keeping everybody on the sideline calm, knowing that, like, all right, we're going to go out here, we're going to get the win. Defense going to get us to stop when we need it. And then, you know, just making sure everybody was on the same page, knowing that everyone had our back. So, um, you know, on that part, I don't think it's really like an age thing with my team. You know, everyone's just like, 
we're all really close in age. So um, uh, we all have really good relationships and everything. We all talk to each other at school, outside of school, hang out together. But, um, you know, that that's one of the main things about it, just knowing that everyone has our back. All right, KJ. So for those that haven't, you know, seen your game film or your highlights or anything, what would how would you describe your playing style and what would you say are your strengths and weaknesses as a quarterback? Uh, I'm more of a I'm a pass first type of quarterback. Uh, if I have to run, I'll run it. But uh, most times, if I'm going and uh, I see somebody downfield, I'm I'm going to throw the ball. But uh, I, I'm a one of my weaknesses. I would say I wouldn't say it's running the ball, but I know I need to do it a little bit more. So I was I was thinking about adding that into my game this year coming up. So I'm definitely gonna be doing that a little bit more this year. Um, weaknesses. Hmm. Uh, I I want to be a little bit more on time. I wouldn't say that's a weaknesses uh, a weakness, but um, you know, just getting the ball anticipating a little bit more, so I can uh, throw my players open and everything, just to let them catch the ball and go make yards with what they have to do. And yeah, but it really. KJ, you have a talented team yes, at Sarahland. You didn't win the state title by yourself. Let's right. Be, yes, sir. I mean, you know that. We know that. But you have a talented team. I, I guess you're out of school, so you didn't get to go to school today and talk to all your teammates and tell them you committed. But have they heard about that? And and uh, are, are they aware of it now? Oh, yeah, we have a really big group chat with everybody on the team. So everyone was saying congratulations and everything. Um I got a whole lot of phone calls, a whole lot of texts, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, all of that. Uh, everyone was just congratulating me on that part. So we're all like a really big family. Uh, whenever somebody gets an offer, commits, everyone's quick to retweet it or, you know, repost it, all this stuff, text, call. So I'm um, like, you know, that, that was really good right there. So what are you – so you work with the David Morse at QB Country. And I think you have since, what, third grade maybe? It's been a long time, uh, right? Yeah, like fourth, third or fourth grade. You've yes, been so. in some years already with David. <laughs> so what are y'all working on now this summer headed into next season? Just really trying to stay sharp, um, not having like a whole lot of off time, just yeah. so I can, uh, you know, just stay ready for the game and everything. Uh, we're about to start summer tomorrow, my first day of practice tomorrow. So – um just, you know, going in there, we'll have like a, a couple seven on sevens. So just, you know, just being ready for all that stuff, just staying sharp on all my um, passes and mechanics and everything. So, uh, yeah. Another part of leadership, and I think it's just so important for you as a quarterback, is this year y'all have the target on your back. You won the 6A state title, right? Yes, sir. So everybody wants to take y'all down. Now, I think they did last year. Maybe Daphne really wanted to take you down, right? No, okay. but but. But you got your team. You got your former team. But yes, what do you think from a leadership standpoint you have to do to make sure your guys are ready to understand? We have a target on our back this year. We're the 6A yeah. state champion. Everybody wants to beat us on Friday night. Right. Um, really just making sure no one gets comfortable. Uh, we've done a really good job of that. You know, every day after um, we work out and everything after practice, Coach Kelly gives us a speech or somebody on the team to give us a speech. Uh, Usually one of the juniors, some of us step up with sophomores, just like break everybody down, just like uh, making sure no one's, you know, just slacking because, you know, it's really easy to start slacking once you're on top. So we're just trying to stay on top so we don't go down anywhere. But um, I think we've done a really good job over this time, just working harder and uh, not taking any time off. Everyone's been working outside of football, like outside of school with football, like training and everything. So when we come back, I think we should be really short. Hey, by the way, can you overthrow Ryan Williams, or is that impossible? Um, <laughs> I have. It looks impossible. I, okay. I, I have a couple 
times. Uh, one was really critical, but I came back and hit her next game for it, and it made up. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, I, I, I mentioned this, KJ, and, and I, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you talk. You're, you're certainly well-spoken uh, young man. I uh, wish you the best uh, in your football season this offseason. Uh, keep working hard to be your very best. Is there anything you want to say out there to the Texas fans that are out here tonight listening to you? Um, uh, thank you for all the love and support, my commitment and everything. Um, really just hook them horns. <laughs> there you go. Hook them. Uh, KJ Lacey, thanks for joining us tonight on the live stream on Texas football. Thank you, KJ. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay. Look, man, that's a home run commitment. I mean, that's, I mean, it, probably a good time for us to talk about Sark and quarterback recruiting, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's a better time, Bobby. I know you got some thoughts. <laughs> I, no, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, he, he, look, to take someone with the pedigree of, of both Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning, and then you layer it with the ab ability of Malik Murphy that is somewhat raw and unrefined, but you add him – you add a guy like Trey Owens, who I think is very talented as well, has maybe the livest arm in the state of Texas this year. Um, he, he's got an idea of what he wants to do and how he wants to build things. And you know what? I, this is another thing that I, I think that you and I have learned, Jerry. Sark recruits quarterbacks hard. Yeah. It, this isn't like some guys just recruit quarterbacks the same as every other position and yada, yada, yada. Sark personally and Milwee personally, they recruit quarterbacks very, very hard and in a very specific way. And it clearly pays off uh, because, look, I mean, it's it's one of those things they know attention to detail is going to matter. And this is a guy that's been working out. He just talked to us working out as a quarterback since third or fourth grade. He's going to appreciate guys that pay attention to detail like he has in his yeah. career. Right. And so, look, I've. Uh, there are a lot of, I, I think there are, there, Mac Brown is, is about as good a recruiter of, as I've ever seen. Yes. Um, uh, but I will say this, uh, Sark has a different way that may be as effective, if not more so, um, because, you know, Texas tailed off at quarterback at the end of Mac's tenure. I mean, he started out with a bang and ended with a whimper. Um, and, uh, I don't think that Sark will ever do that as head coach. I just it doesn't feel that way at all. Um, by the way, so we've had a lot of comments in the comment section. And after talking to KJ um, today, I, I felt like I, we really needed to have him on the show because I he is. Look, I talked to Jeff Kelly, the Sarah Land head coach uh, yesterday. I talked to David Morris at QB Country this morning and everything they said came through when I interviewed him earlier today. And, and, and I just thought we need to have this guy on the show because. He is speaking from a guy who's well beyond his years to me, guys. Uh, he, and you know what's funny about that is it what comes through in interviews um, like this are what Jeff Kelly said about him, the coach at Sarah Land, has said when the pressure got to be intense, his feet never stopped being calm, his mind never stopped being calm. And that's when these young guys are ready for interviews like this and they're ready to kind of take on everything that comes with being a top quarterback prospect in the country. Uh, and that's why I wanted to bring KJ on. He's got it. I mean, it, it was easy to tell, Bobby, and like 
Yeah, no, I agree. I appreciate you setting that up, Jerry. A tremendous young man. And, and just uh, look, Sark's doing it the right way. He yeah. really is. Well, let me ask you all this. You know, I mean, obviously a big commitment. How surprised were y'all when it went down? I mean, was that just something way out of left field or did you kind of see it in the works? I mean, what, you know, Jerry, you obviously you have a good pulse on these things. What are your thoughts on it? I think the timing of it uh, caught me by surprise. I'll be real. I mean, we don't get all this stuff right. Um, so the timing of it caught me by surprise. Um, look, I knew they liked him and, and he had to be high on the board. Uh, because I've been talking about uh, a kid named Keelan Russell, the quarter 2025 at Duncanville, and Texas mm -hmm. wasn't inviting the camp. They weren't making a move on him, and others were. Um, so I, there was obviously they had somebody in mind that they thought they had a really good shot at. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing with the Lacey uh, interview on Inside Texas and talking to him today is he actually was in Austin the day before the spring game for a seven-on-seven -seven tournament. Then he ends up go, making a little unofficial with a couple of teammates. Then he comes back for the spring game uh, the next day. Then Texas really turned up the heat, went to see him in the spring evaluation period. Uh, but it was him getting back with his family last weekend that put it over the top because obviously he went back. What he said is he went back home, told his family how much he loved Austin, the atmosphere, uh, the, ci the city, the university, just everything about it. And you know, what was interesting in talking to him, his sister, his older sister lives in Houston. She's in nursing. So there's a somebody that's within three hours of Austin that's, you know, already in the state of Texas. But then once he's, the parents gave it the stamp of approval, he committed the SARC Friday and made it public Saturday. There you go. Good stuff, Jerry. For sure. All right. Everybody's asking, let's just, everybody's asking about Ryan Williams, his teammate, mm -hmm. uh, who's committed to Alabama in 25. He's the number one ranked receiver in the country. Number two is DeCorian Moore uh, from Duncanville in that 25 class. Look, Ryan Williams, I mean, you know, we don't, we can't sit here and say you can Texas flip him or not. I mean, he's, his dad played at Auburn. He's committed to Alabama. He had as good a sophomore season as a wide receiver as I've ever seen, Bobby, in my years doing this. I mean, 1,650 receiving yards, 700 rushing, 280 in returns. It was just ridiculous and 40 touchdowns, I believe. That's, just, I actually saw Ryan as a fresh spring of his freshman year at a region track meet at University of South Alabama. I think he ran 10-7-3 into the wind that day. I think he'd run into high 10-5s earlier in the season. But he is quick and fast, great hands, a natural. They have two great players on that team. And they have a D-tackle, Antonio Coleman, who in the 25 class that Texas just offered last night. Bo Davis offered him as well. He's got about 10 uh, tower fives now. But can Texas flip Ryan Williams? I mean, look. Do I think Ryan Williams will get be on campus in Texas at Texas? Yes, I do. He was just on campus at LSU last weekend. The recruiting process continues for these guys. Do I think anybody can uh, flip him from Alabama? You know, we'll, we'll see over time, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. There you go. All right, guys, well, we got lots of other questions coming in, and uh, let's go ahead and get right to them. And this next one right here, if I can get my mouse stacked right, is from E. Kim. And he says, Jerry and Bobby, the best right. linebacker prospect you've scouted in Texas and outside of Texas. Also, how big do you see the 24 recruiting class being? Okay, I want to take a guess at Bobby's answer. Because in Texas, mine's Derek Johnson. I want to guess Bobby's out of state. I want to say LeVar Arrington. But I'm going with Ernie Sims because he was ranked one in the country. Bobby, did I hit it or did I miss it? Uh, LeVar Arrington. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he was I a total him, I saw him leap the center 
you know, <laughs> um, live, by right. the way, you know, I was up in Pitt, I, you know, Pittsburgh at the time and he went to a school called Arrington and, and yep. look, uh, I, I ranked him the number one player overall in the country. I will say this, Derek Johnson is the best linebacker I've seen in the state of Texas. Ever. No question. No question. So, um, made 30 tackles in a single game. Yeah. I mean, back and, when back when football was at a slower pace, that would have been 45 in today's you know, <laughs> No, I remember talking to longtime Waco High head coach Johnny Tusa about Derek Johnson. And and at that time, you got to remember uh Tusa had had other D1 players. Lewis Fight was a big running back. Uh uh Kwame Cavill uh played receiver at Texas. There were a dozen guys from Waco High in in I'll never forget that uh, I talked to Coach Tusi. He said, "Best I ever had." And I said, "Better than Lewis fight?" Yes. I mean, he he was like, and I, and I don't know that Tusa was the head coach at, at Waco High back under fight or with fight, but I know he knew about him. Right. And my my point being that that Derek was a absolute tackling machine. LeVar Arrington was a little bit different in that LeVar was always thicker. Does that make sense? Like he was the more prototypical linebacker size, whereas Derek was long and lean and added weight over time. Yeah. So two great players. Great. Look, great at, players. look at David Williams in the Wayback Machine. Melvin Foster of Jack Yates in 86. <laughs> David's challenging us all on the uh, memory right now. That was a year old in 86. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <But> you saw him. <laughs> okay, next question is actually a super chat. And this one from Justin Yarbrough. Yeah. We want to thank Justin. And uh, he says, Jerry, is the Galveston County area starting, producer, starting to produce recruits like in the mid-2000s? I've seen a lot of names from the area coming up. And any update on the TC athlete? I believe he's a 25. Um, Texas City athlete. I, if you're talking about Squar, I believe is how is Squar something in that range. He had to play JV due to transfer rules this year, so he ran varsity track. Uh, couldn't play varsity football, so he'll be on the varsity football field next year. Good prospect. I know he's been camps at a lot of places in Texas in the region. If you're talking about the 2024, they have an edge uh, outside backer and a running back who are both Division One players. No interest from Texas. Uh, there. Uh, 2000s, you know, I don't know. I mean, Galveston Ball has some good young kids. They're getting kids back out in football now, Bobby, is the thing with the new coaching hire down there. I think they're up by about 20, 25 kids playing right now. So if Ball gets their numbers up again, they'll start producing some D1 guys. Is it the level it was? I mean, no, those ball teams are absolutely loaded. Lamarck teams doesn't exist. A lot of those kids are at Dickinson High now. You look at the guys, the tight end, uh, Green at AM, the, the offensive tackle, PJ Williams, who signed with AM, is not there. Those guys' fathers played at Lamarck. So Dickinson is kind of where kids are, but then you have the move of kids to Clear Falls, Clear Springs. And that's really taken away a lot of talent from that, uh, from some of those areas. Yeah, that's, that 45 South corridor has been terrific. Andre Ware came out of Dickinson. Yep. Guys like James Francis, King. Uh, Lamarck High School, uh, Casey Hampton from Ball High. I mean, I think Ball High's had like five or six first round draft. Yes, yes. Um, through the years, and so uh, look, I mean, the the reality of it is, is I, and I, I think Dickinson is right on the county line, isn't it? They are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I I think that the Hurricane Ike really displaced and as Jerry said, moved a lot of people from Galveston up about 30 miles inland uh, across the bridge and uh, up about 30 miles and then clear clear springs popped up and that has had a number of good players including a former ball high player john humphrey's son that signed with georgia hey we have a question here k warrior i used to dread playing against lamar hey if you played against Derek foster chime in Derek Foster ah. is still the fastest guy I've seen in in high school playing running back. He had those big shoulder pads, like a '90s linebacker, and they ran a sprint draw, and the dude was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> he ran a four two nine at U of H camp before his senior. He was like two hundred and two pounds. It was some. It was crazy. Even Cedric Cormier once commented how fast Derek Foster was, and Derek Cedric Cormier ran four three rolling out of bed. <laughs> Uh, well, we want to thank Justin once again for the super chat. And uh, this next question here uh, from Jake Faust, or Faust, I'm sorry. This might be more of a recruiting-centric chat. However, I want y'all's take on the snap allocation in the cornerback room. It seems as if TB is too good to not start, albeit young. Then you have Ilmion behind RW and GH. Look. I don't, it's not, we, we just, we're talking about recruiting because that's what's hot right now. Um, to be honest, Jerry and I and, and Blake, I want y'all to know this is not, this is a Texas centric chat. Yeah. That's what I like to do is I like to, to weave it all together. And whether it's the baseball team making the, uh, uh, the super regionals like they are uh, playing against Stanford or what have you, we'll talk about whatever's hot with the Longhorns. Uh, but uh, thanks Jake for the question. I agree with you. Um, here, I, I could see Texas going a number of different ways with what they have on the back end this year on defense. Um, I don't know that Gavin Holmes is necessarily going to start over Terrence Brooks at this point, although I think he ended up that way uh, at the end of spring. Ryan Watts is is there as well. But the, the question I have is, does Texas cross train Brooks at uh, boundary corner at times? to make sure they get he and Gavin Holmes on the field at the same time. I mean, I look and Ryan Watts looks like a linebacker right now. I, I don't know what to say other than I'm so impressed with what Blake Gideon and Terry Joseph have done with the secondary right now. There are literally four or five guys back there. They're going to be playing in the NFL. That doesn't mean they're all going to start playing this week or they're all going to be starting next year. But Jade Barron's going to play in the league. I think Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes, those guys are going to play in the, the league. Uh, the question, I think Jaron Thompson will get his shot. You know, it, it's Jalen Catalan will be there. Malik Muhammad or Manny Muhammad uh, will be there as well. I, I just feel like what Texas has done on the back end gives you these difficult questions, and that's a good thing. I mean, that's – I mean, talent, they've got talent. They don't have to worry about losing two guys to – when they go out against Oklahoma State like they did last year, and all of a sudden they're they're playing with one hand tied behind their back a little bit. For sure. Okay, next question, guys. Uh, Freelance Society, another super chat. We want to thank them. The best high school football team I've ever seen was South Lake 2004 with Greg McElroy. Could this Duncanville team be an all-time great? A lot of UT targets on the team. I'll tell you what. Um... Having the quarterback, the level of Keelan Russell is different for Duncanville. I mean, Quinton Jackson was a tremendous athlete, 
I do think they'd have beat North Shore the one year. North Shore people, coaches, fans, don't get mad at me. I do think if he hadn't blown out his knee, Duncanville would have won a state title. Um, but this Duncanville team's a little different because Keelan Russell's such a good passing quarterback. It's something they haven't had there. And if you put somebody of his passing caliber with guys like DeCorian Moore, some of that speed they have, um, Caden Durham at running back is a 10-4 guy um, who just visited A&M, Oklahoma, LSU, are all in it for him as well. Uh, six power five defensive backs that I was there. They may not be as big on the offensive and defensive line as they were like two, three years ago, uh, but their skill is off the chart. So, and then you have a total difference maker like Colin Simmons and a strong in, in point of attack guy like Alex January is just now starting to come into his own. Um, since he put the baseball bat away, he's now really coming into his own as a defensive lineman. They have a six foot, 240 pound guy who was absolutely had the hit stick out of practice the day I was there. And a couple of power five coaches were like, hey, we might, y'all might want to like tell this guy to slow it down a little bit. I mean, so they had a total hit stick at middle linebacker, but it really, if you have a quarterback that can spread the ball to the talent they have, this could be their best team. It's not out of question. They got to have some luck with help. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, it's a loaded team for sure, it sounds like. Well, we want to thank Freelance Society for the Super Chat. And Bobby, if you want to tell the great folks out there about Energy Texas. Yep, let's do it. Energy Texas, here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns. With our Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month, you can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. Enjoy Texas-sized rewards and excellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. That's energytexas.com. The UT alum, CEO there, a good friend of the program as well. Thank you very much uh, for your sponsorship uh, of Tuesday night's live streaming, getting all these guys together uh, for us and, and for everybody out there tonight. Okay, next question, guys. We got lots of them to get to. And of course, you still have time to get your questions in. This one comes from K. John. And he says, <clears throat> excuse me, with Texas, Oklahoma, and the Aggies in the SEC in the future, can you see the Big 12 becoming a player portal feeder with those teams poaching the best players yearly? Jerry, go for it. Well, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing there is, um, you know, if you look at a Texas, they're probably not going to take more than four or five portal guys a, a year, right? Um, so could one of those guys come in the Big 12? Maybe. Maybe two, but um, – Realistically, that's a tough question for me to answer, Bob. You may have a better take on it because I think some of the best guys you're getting out of the portal may be the G5 guys 
who are, are really standout players there and maybe have one year off to the NFL. Or you have – this is where the Big 12 could come into it. A Gavin Holmes, who wasn't highly recruited out of New Orleans, goes to Wake Forest and is ultimately a lot better than any any player ranking we'd have had in the industry. But then he has an offer that starts a year and a half, and then he wants to go test himself uh, you know, at a different place. So I think it's a tough question to answer. I could see a little bit of that, though. Here's my thought on that, Jerry. I think you, you bring up a good point. The immediate future, the answer is no, but it depends on the sustainability of NIL and right. what NIL becomes. Um, if there is a huge difference long-term in NIL um, from an Iowa State and a Texas, which there was this past year, and we think it's going to sustain itself, we know it will, but how does that play over time, right? Where right. the free agent nature of college football becomes even more uh, pronounced and aware. So a player actually has a true knowledge of his market value before he even enters the pool. Good point. Um, then we, we become uh, a game of haves and have nots. And most of the big 12, not all, but most of the big 12 as it's currently uh, con constituted uh, would be a part of the have nots. Uh, so. and, and, by, and by the way, yeah, people are going to want to play in the SEC. And that's just – look at – I mean, K.J. Lacey mentioned that in the article today on Inside Texas when I interviewed him. Now, of course, that was big with his decision-making. I mean, it wasn't an end-all, be-all, but it was big. So all these kids, I mean, that's what they know. They've grown up watching the SEC dominate college football. The guys at the smaller colleges that weren't recruited by the SEC programs, if they become really good players and they have a chance to play in the SEC and in their minds help their NFL draft stock, then, yeah, they're going to jump at the opportunity. Uh, this next one is a super chat from Manuel Posada, and he says, what did you guys think of the 24-7 projected 2024 schedule, which had Arkansas, Missouri, Ole Miss, Florida, at LSU, at A&M, at Auburn, and, of course, Oklahoma as the Texas 8? I have a tough time seeing at LSU and at A&M year one in the same – and now we talked about that a little bit maybe Friday, Bobby. Um, yeah, I don't, I, don't see, I don't see them uh, flopping that. Yeah. Um, but you never know. I mean, I don't necessarily put too much into it, to be honest with you, Manuel. Um, and the reason I say that is because nobody has a true beat on that at this point. Um, and, and anybody writing that up is, is a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit backwards in my opinion. Um, I, I will say that I, I like the idea of Arkansas, LSU and A&M as yes. well as OU. Uh, sure. Beyond that, you know, six to one, half dozen the other for me. All right. Well, thank you, Manuel. We appreciate the Super Chat. This thank next you. one, guys, comes from Michael Gresser. And he says, does it hurt the impact Reiner Swanson would have at a place like Texas if he does, in fact, take two years off to complete a mission, as he told Bobby in Bobby's interview? Well, I, he, he's going to take it after he spends a year at Texas. Uh, is the issue right? So, um, and then, by, by the way, by, by the way, or wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not mean to make his commitment for him. Or Breaking news. Uh, my apologies there to Reiner if he heard that because that's not what I was. My, that was not my intention. Um, long story short, uh, it, it's after one year, so we'll have to see where that all goes. We've seen players 
come and then actually uh, change the timing of their mission to be almost immediate as opposed to wait a year. We've seen people wait two years. I mean, there, there's been just like people are reticent to, to say, okay, this guy's in the bag if he's committed as a junior, right? He's We're definitely getting him in. There's no, no doubt about it. It's also the same thing for guys that are 16, 17 years old that are still finding out when and where they want to go, right? And so you have to play all of that in together uh, to, to jump the – you don't want to jump uh, in front of the uh, cart and put the cart before the horse there. You have to wait to get him on campus and see what ends up happening. Junior Angelau, for example, was considering a mission uh, but instead immediately decided to stay at Texas uh, for four years. All right, guys. Next question comes from Thomas Quinn, and he says, what's your guess on how many players commit on their Texas official visit? I'm guessing the staff has calculated and had people hold on until then to create momentum. I think there's a little truth in that. Um, I think they have a, I, I think these staffs always have a good feel for some kids they're in a really good position with. Um, and those kids want to go through the visit process. And somebody asked it earlier, why is Texas not locking guys down early like Dabo? Well, June 2nd through 4th, is Dabo's big visit weekend. He always goes strong out of the gate, whether it's right after signing day, when he has a big junior day, right? And then he that first weekend in June, they really attack it. Texas, on the other hand, since they've been here, they play the more patient game. And it's an approach I know Bobby and I like a lot because I think that strengthens your evaluation process. So Texas has set this up. They want the last visits in June or the second to last visits in June. Um, so look, that's June 16th, 18th weekend, 23rd through 25th. They got 40 guys coming in those two weekends. Uh, Texas has a good feel for where they're at with some of those guys for sure. And a lot of those kids are going to decide in July uh, and early August, uh, before their senior season starts. So it's just a matter of preference. Dabo likes to swing really early at those kids. If they keep kids, he feels like he's, he's in a good spot for, they get those kids done. If you notice, um, you know, the linebacker uh, from Georgia that committed to Clemson, he had been at Georgia, then he goes to Clemson, done, over. Um, so that's what that's Dabo's strategy. Texas is a little different. They play a longer game, a little more patient game. Um, but I think that De Texas is definitely in a uh, – they definitely know where they lead for guys and what they have to do for guys they're really in on it for. And I'll just add, somebody asked about the running backs, just because this kind of goes with this question. Somebody asked if Texas misses on Gibson or Christian Clark, if they only get one of those, do they take a second back? We'll see. I think Texas leads for both. So we'll see what happens. <clears throat> All right. This next question from J.W. Crunch. And he says, when's it too early to offer high school recruits? Texas seems to be late on their evaluations. So that kind of what we talked about, and I want Bobby's opinion on this, but um, well, they just offered a 14-year-old Saturday at a camp, a tight end who's 6'5", 225. I, to me, that's crazy. I think that's too early. I do think guys are that talented. Like LSU and Bama and offering Dylan Moses when he was in eighth grade wasn't wrong. Um, he was 6'1", 200 pounds, running 4'49 at their camps, 14 years old, right? Dylan Moses is in, isn't in the NFL. But those offers weren't wrong then. He still had a great career at Alabama. He's got national title rings. He was up for awards. Uh, he just didn't end up being the pro prospect player, I should say, that everybody thought he was. He had a major knee injury. Um, I think Texas does. I don't think they're late on their evaluations. I think that's what what's put together five, two top five classes in a row is that they stick to their evaluations. 
Now, they use the whole spring evaluation period to evaluate, but after they get locked in on their guys, they're going to recruit through the whistle through December. I think that's what makes them a good staff in evaluations. I don't know your thought, Bobby. Dude, I, I, I hate to hear that. Oh, they don't make early enough evaluations. They don't offer early enough. I don't care what school it is. I don't agree with that. You've got to do your evaluation. And if somebody beats you to it, that's fine. Be honest about it and then do your homework and see whether or not you want to offer him too. You can't offer every single recruit as early as everybody else. Texas wins some and they lose some. That's just the nature of the business. They don't lose more than their share. They don't win more than their share. The whole business is the same way in that regard. Uh, The thing that I like about Texas personally is what they do in their evaluation process. And I think that's part of what we've seen over the last couple of years with Steve Sarkeesian. They are getting numbers to develop depth, right? I mean, that that's exactly what we're seeing. And then they're doing a good job of recruiting and staying with them all the way through. I'm a big fan of how they handle recruiting and win. And I agree. I agree with it's not I'm not trying to, to, to speak negatively there um, about the assertion, because some kids, they do offer relatively late, but an offer is an offer whenever it comes, unless it's like a week before signing day, right? Um, Then a guy still has an opportunity, especially if it's 12 months before he signs, all of a sudden you're saying, oh, they offered late. He's got a year to make up his mind. That's not too late. I agree. Well, we've had lots of wide receiver recruiting questions, um, so let's get to one of those. Cameron Parker wants to know, what does wide receiver look like if Hudson goes to Tech? Well, I think uh, Texas has Micah Hudson. Ryan Wingo is coming in the 16th through 18th. I actually texted Ryan today. He reiterated that date, the 16th through 18th. Uh, He's at Michigan this weekend. Miami's trying to get in there. That's interesting. Then he's got Missouri on the 23rd through 25th. He was at Georgia last week, and we're talking about Ryan Wingo out of St. Louis University High. Um, who Steve Sarkeesian's been personally recruiting through his wide receiver coaching change. Uh, So that should tell you how Steve Sarkeesian feels about the on-three industry ranking five-star. Then there's uh, Livingstone uh, out of um, uh, Lovejoy High, Parker Livingstone. He visits the 23rd through 25th. He's been to South Carolina. I believe he's got Arkansas um, as well. I think he's a Texas lean. He's going to, he may be the first of the wide receiver prospects to announce a decision. That'll be, uh, pretty quickly after the official visit process is over. Um, they have they they have some other guys. They have JoJo, uh, the kid committed to LSU out of Langston Hughes in, in Georgia coming in the 16th through 18th. Uh, so they have they have some other guys they're recruiting. Jordan Anderson committed to Oregon out of Newport Beach, a, a trip I probably want to go make to evaluate him if possible uh, as a senior if he commits to Texas. But uh, he's committed to Oregon. We'll see if he makes that official visit. Uh, in June, Texas is trying to get him in in June. Uh, Texas has – they have a number of wide receiver targets. But here's the thing about wide receiver recruiting for me. Um, be interested to see you guys' opinion on, on this. That's not one where you s- stick a number on the board of high school prospects and stick to it. If you say, okay, we got to get four guys, that doesn't mean you have to take four high school guys because there's a lot of wide receiver talent in the portal. Yeah. We're on the defensive line. If your number's four, you better get three because there's not going to be as many guys in the portal. So wide receiver, if you started with four and you just got two of the guys you really wanted, then you can go to the portal and get one or two more guys, much easier than, say, defensive line position or edge. Tech In Texas is clearly a, a hot destination for wide receiver recruits in the portal. Yep. Um, let's be clear. Not only did Isaiah Nayor sign a year ago, so did a Jai Hall. 
uh, both of which had multiple offers everywhere. And then you have uh, A.D. Mitchell, of course, this year. So Texas for the portal has done very well. Part of that, again, is the offense uh, that uh, Steve Sarkeesian runs and, and an ability for uh, for uh, uh, the coaches to really showcase that. And in a guy like Nayor's case, he was at Wyoming where they didn't really throw the ball much, right? And so you're going to get a lot of those guys coming out too. So uh, I, I think that I would say that this Hudson goes to Tech thing needs to be caveated. I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, also, Freddie DeBose, Aaron Hampton, Jerry scheduled to come in on yep. uh, June 16th as well. Two other guys uh, that we need to mention uh, at the wide receiver position. Okay. Next question here is from Jason Perez. And he said, who should we be watching on the defensive line for 24 recruits and who's leaning towards Texas? Well, that's right now. Currently I have seven guys scheduled to officially visit those last two weekends. I think Melvin Hills, uh, defensive lineman out of Lafayette Christian Academy, 6'4", 270, 82-inch wingspan. Came off an ACL injury sophomore year, had a really good junior year. He's taking the braces off this year, the knee brace off, so I think he's going to have a big year. He visits Ole Miss this weekend. I think that's Texas recruitment to lose headed into the Ole Miss visit. Uh, he's a guy who's maybe not ranked this high, but I can tell you this. There's a guy who trains defensive linemen. Um, in the Lafayette area that's had a lot of big-time guys, and he is very high on Melvin Hills. He's had a number of guys going to LSU and other SEC schools and end up in the NFL. He really likes Melvin Hills because of, one, the, the frame where it's going but above his neck um, and what's in his heart. Um, so Dominic McKinley out of Lafayette, Acadiana, comes in the 23rd through 25th. He's the highest-ranked guy. He's five-star kid uh, in, inside the state of Louisiana. People expect him to go to LSU. We'll see. He was at Ohio State last weekend. He's got AM this week at Oklahoma, then Texas, the 23rd through 25th. You got Jaden Jackson at IMG from Brownsburg, Indiana. He was at Florida last weekend. He hasn't announced that official visit schedule, I don't believe. I think Miami's going to get one, Ohio State, then Texas, uh, 23rd through 25th. I'll be surprised if he's not there. Um, TJ Lindsay out of Bryan, Arkansas, who's now going to IMG his senior year, was at Auburn last weekend. He's got Miami, FSU, AM, and Texas. He'll be at Texas the 23rd through 25th. Legitimate shot there. So, I mean, you just kind of keep going down the list, and there's seven guys scheduled for official visits. One kid that they were high on, Terrence Hebler, uh, he committed to Mississippi State, canceled the Alabama and Texas visits in June. Um, that was that was one guy off the board. So, they got seven guys, they want to get three or four. Jerry, got to ask you, uh, DeAndre Robinson. That's nah, a great. He was, at, he was at Florida, right, the, over the weekend. The yeah. young man from Orlando Jones, same high school as Peyton Kirkland. Yeah, that's a good one. I should have mentioned him. Uh, Orlando Jones, Peyton Kirkland, uh, Cedric Baxter from that area. He talks to those guys. Um, he went to Florida last weekend. That was the dream school growing up. Four star prospect there. I saw him in the spring. Keith Niebuhr of uh, the Gator site with on three, a longtime friend of mine. We went to. Orlando Jones to see DeAndre Robinson in May for spring practice. I think that's Florida, Texas. Now he is making official to Ohio State uh, this weekend. Texas is 16th to 18th, Georgia to 23rd through 25th. And he entered June as a Florida, Texas battle. Um, and, and I think, you know, one thing about this, and I'm not saying he won't end up at Florida, but a lot of kids in the Sunshine State, and I lived down there six years too, is they're not really feeling the in state schools as much. Uh, you know, it's not like, the 90s, early 2000s through 2008, uh, those runs at Florida were a high percentage of those kids stayed in state. It's not like that right now. So this, you can go into central Florida, south 
plus Florida and Jacksonville and get some really good players. And Tashard Choice and Bo Davis have Texas with a legitimate shot there. Jerry, did you mention Alex January in that stream? Uh, Alex January, no, Duncanville. Um, you know, he's a Texas lean. Obviously, Father Mike January played at Texas. Uh, LSU, I think, is number two for him. He visits uh, Florida State, Miami, LSU, then Texas last, the 23rd through 25th. That one, I believe, is Texas's recruitment to lose. He's a kid who I mentioned him earlier talking about Duncanville. Um, but he's a guy who's just now starting to come into his own. I mean, he's a guy who last spring played baseball, right? Which is weird. 6'4", 6'5", 3'10", playing first base. But he gave up baseball, so he had spring football and a spring in the weight room. And uh, he is going to be a strong point of attack player. Um, and he has that SEC large human frame uh, that Texas is coveting, not on every defensive lineman, but enough of the defensive lineman. Uh, but he's a guy who, if he doesn't end up at Texas, I'll be surprised. Okay, next question. And we're kind of going back to KJ Lacey here. But Jeff Leitchum wants to know, in KJ Lacey's training with the quarterback coach, has he worked with Arch before? Did they know each other prior to Lacey's UT visits? It's a great question. They both work with David Morris of QB Country. Arch, I believe, started with David Morris in fourth grade. And the reason why that was a connection was David Morris, I believe, was teammates with Eli at Ole Miss knows Cooper, knows the whole Manning family, and obviously New Orleans, the Mobile, pretty easy drive. Uh, so I, they did know each other. I don't think they trained in reps with each other back-to-back, right? There was a difference in age there, but they did know each other. And the Friday night dinner, Arch, uh, uh, K.J. Lacey and Arch had a conversation at that Friday night dinner before um, K.J. committed Saturday, and Arch told K.J., he loves everything about Texas. He loves Sark. He loves Milway. So there's enough connection there through David Morris to where what Arch said about Texas certainly helps Sark and Milway, but not the reason KJ picked Texas. Bobby? I'll yeah, absolutely. About Energy Texas. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> thank our sponsor one last time tonight. Uh, also, before I say that, we still have room for questions for tonight. We're going to probably go about five minutes longer than user, usual. So please get them in. Uh, Energy Texas, here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns. With our Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month, you can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. Enjoy Texas-sized rewards and excellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. That's energytexas.com or call them at 855-461-1129. All right. Well, we, like Bobby said, still have time for questions. Please get them in. In the meantime, we're going to jump to Kyle Fisher's question. And he says, seeing some crystal balls for Taylor Tatum to USC. Was Texas simply just higher on Gibson and Clark? It seemed like they didn't push for Tatum. Uh, That's correct. I mean, they had Tatum at January 21st, Junior Day. Um, And I think Texas feels like they're in a good position for Gibson and Clark. And um, so uh, that's pretty much where it's at. Two running backs have official visits in June, if that tells you how Tashard Choice feels about his top two guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with Jerry. Uh, another thing that, that may be complicating the Taylor Tatum baseball is baseball. Yeah. He's, he's apparently he apparently played really well and uh, may may have an opportunity to, to get drafted. He's that talented. And he definitely wants to play both in college, if not. And it's just it comes down with these coaching staffs. How many of those guys do you are you really going to have on a roster? I, and, I, and I'll say this. Let's talk about that dual sport thing, Jerry. 
Yeah. Once you get to college, because we love it in high school, we all think right. that it's a good thing. Oh, yeah. But in college, Brennan Thompson, it didn't work out at Texas where he tried to run track. Yeah. Doesn't mean that he's the, you know, the, the poster child for that uh, and that it can't work because it has worked in the past. It just didn't this time. So it, it gets difficult if you try to do both in college. Uh, by the way, um, somebody just asked how how workouts are going. I can tell you what, um, I, I, I'm in Austin and uh, driving on uh, 35 today. Boy, they looked warm out there. <laughs> I, can tell you how, I can tell you I was glad I was in a car. <laughs> With the air conditioning on, yeah, no doubt. I didn't, I didn't stop the wave, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, our next question is more of a team-related question. And uh, – Brian Churchin wants to know what's more likely Cam Williams at right tackle and Jones at guard or the same offensive line as last year. I think you'd flip those. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's more likely Jones starts at tackle no matter what. And well, Williams then fights for a guard spot as a starter. Um, that being said, one injury can change the whole thing. DJ Campbell uh, was out at the end of spring uh, but it really looked good in the second half of spring. Um, and so, I look, then that one, if you put Jones tackling Cam Williams at guard, I'd say it's about 50-50, the same as the offensive line, as the same as last year, uh, as far as chance, uh, in my opinion. I just I think they're going to have a hard time keeping Cam Williams off the field next year, Jerry. I do, too. I do, too. Look, he came to Texas as a kid who needed to refine his pass set, uh, really hand placement, um, but in getting better shape. And he's definitely done that. Anybody saw the pictures with him and DeCorey and Moore and JV and Holiday, the two 2025s from Duncanville who were at the elite camp Saturday, know Cam Williams looks amazing right now. But once that light comes on, I mean, he's a very high NFL draft pick possibility. So those guys, once the light comes on, those guys tend to race past the competition. Uh, we have a super chat here. This one from Ryan Nelson. Thank you, Ryan. And he says, Sark's patience with dual guys, dual threat guys, not very high. I think he, meant, I think he means dual, dual sport guys. Dual, dual sport guys. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I don't know that. I mean, I, I think that Brennan Thompson, the interesting thing about Brennan Thompson, and, and I'm a little bit partial to him because I actually know the family through a, a, a very long relationship uh, that a friend of mine had there. And I, I think that what I would say about this is that Brennan Thompson really was not, did not come to Texas like Jonte Cook did, where he'd been training as a receiver specifically for three or four years. Correct. He came as a guy that played running back, played wide receiver, played some quarterback at, at Spearman, I believe. He needed more work on that end. Uh, and whereas, so when he decided to go track his spring year, he lost some important development time. Did Sark lose patience or did Brennan lose patience is also the question there, because I don't think Sark, Sark didn't run him off. I'll just put it that way. He elected to leave. So, Hey, by the way, what Sark, uh, Sark knows how hard it is to do both. Didn't he play Juco baseball before yep. playing quarterback at BYU? I mean, he's a guy who knows from experience how difficult this is. Uh, by the way, by the way, uh, we have a, a dreaded, dreaded question over here. Not a dreaded question, but who, from the <laughs> poster. Um, but you know, he said, you know, only 
McKinley's the only top 100 kid on the defensive line nationally. Uh, Bo needs to be questioned on his recruiting. Well, I mean, look, it's not – to me, it, it's not that easy because Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy weren't top 100 guys in the country, and they're both going to be drafted. So Good defensive point. line is still a developmental position. You have to find your guys that you can develop and that you can coach. And not all guys at defensive line. There's a lot of defensive linemen drafted. They're not all going to be ranked in the top under. Mississippi State has somebody drafted every year, and they're very rarely ranked high. Sadir Mitchell wasn't ranked top 100 player in the country. Right. Yeah. And Georgia wanted him. I yeah. Mean, I, I, so, look, I think that uh, recruiting rankings, one thing I will say is I think they, they tend to be a little bit higher on skill position players. Correct. And weighted more to those guys. Uh, right or wrong. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but a lot of the guys that do the that are the six foot five, three hundred and twenty pound guys that are going to start in the NFL at offensive guard, they're not getting ranked in the top one hundred because they're not going to be first round draft picks. Yeah. So that that's that's kind of what you have to think about too. So I, I just I, I just encourage people on that, and I'm not sticking up for any Bo Davis or any Texas coach. This is a D line recruiting in general. After you get past those top handful of guys that go to Georgia, Alabama, or Clemson uh, or Ohio State. There's a lot of guys that get drafted on the defensive line. And there's a lot of guys in the Southeast region that get drafted on the defensive line that weren't offered by those schools. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something to remember. I mean, there's a ton of talent on the defensive line in the Southeast region. You just have to pick the right ones. Hey, guys, I want to go back to this one real quick. Uh, Eric Nolene, publisher of Inside Texas, will join us tomorrow for the state of the program. Eric had a really good piece uh, uh on uh, Inside Texas over the weekend about how workouts are going, uh, particularly for some of the new guys. I'm going to talk with him about that tomorrow on the state of the program. So make sure you check that out as well. Okay. Next question is going to be a team related question, guys. This comes from Jesse 13 is Baxter running back two by the end of the season. At least. Yeah, I, I think so. The question, the question is, can he push Brooks at any point in time? And I'm that, I think that's one of, from a position standpoint, that's one of the ones I'm interested interested to see because Bobby, I'm with Bobby. I'm very high on Jonathan Brooks. I'm also very high on Cedric Baxter. So I'm interested interested to see since Baxter was in in the spring, got his feet wet, didn't have much room to run in the spring game, but got his feet wet, got knocked off his feet a few times there. So how quickly does he come on this season? Can he push Jonathan Brooks in year one? They're both going to play a lot. But I really – that's interesting to me is can he push Brooks? If it gets to the point where Texas is like, okay, these guys are almost equal, they're in a really good spot. It reminds me a little bit, Jerry, too. I, I've got to bring up Savion Red's name Yeah, here. It, it could be not necessarily RB2. Yeah. It could be RB1 and then RB, RB2A and 2B, depending yeah. on what you're trying to do on offense at that time. If you're trying to go – really press them at five wides sometimes and give them that look and motion the guy out of the backfield, you may have Savion Red in there, right? Um, so I think it depends. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Baxter is RB2, but I, I just think that I think that you have to – I don't – I'm not – I'm one of those guys that's very high on Savion Red. Yeah, I am. Um, and yeah. so and, – and Jonathan Brooks as well. I think all three of those guys are going to get touches this year. And by the way, we're not – somebody mentioned uh, Jaden Blue. He's a space player. He's a guy who, you know, if you if you have a big advantage up front, uh, say you play a Rice or Wyoming, you have a big advantage up front, 
I could see Jaden Blue having some holes to run through where he becomes a really good space player at running back. Is he the guy that you're going to run inside against Alabama? Probably not. Good points. All right, we got time for a few more questions, guys. This hey, next hey one. wait, hey, J- I, I, we're just totally spacing on Keelan Robinson, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I am. My apologies, Keelan. I, 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 I totally forgot that because he wasn't playing in the spring. He's going to get time too, and he's going another guy that's going to be. He's going to be more, you know, motioned out. One of my predictions for this season is he's going to return a kickoff for a touchdown. He was close last year. (laughs) I feel like he's going out in style this year. (laughs) So Danny wants to know, we've heard that Colin Simmons family wants him to stay close to home. Does Austin's proximity give the upper hand or with NIL, are family flights always included? Well, there there are there are not many direct flights from Duncanville or from DFW to Baton Rouge. I can tell you that. Uh, but no, family flights aren't always included. And um, I think that proximity gives Texas a real shot. But I'm not Jerry. From talking to people that that interviewed him at the NIL event in all in uh, Nashville last week, I, I think he's he's got it down to a couple. He just released some other unofficial visits today. I just think that this is going to be one we're going to have to watch. It's, yeah. I don't think it's decided, right? No, I don't think it's decided. I think I think LSU, Texas is are the two. Um, can somebody make it a race for three? Of course. Um, but being at Duncanville a few weeks ago, I mean, I talked about three or four people, and everybody said close to home. So I think with Colin saying LSU and Texas are his top two in Nashville last week, I think he's being truthful. I don't think he's going far from home. Question is, is it going to be a three-hour drive or a little bit longer? All right, next question here. This comes from Jesse13. Any news on Arch's progress from the spring game until now? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. Uh, working uh, working hard back on campus. Um, I'm telling you guys that, that everybody saw the spring game performance and kind of said, well, he didn't do anything. Well, he was – you know, getting sacked every time because he was playing against top level team with mostly uh, the third string offensive line. Mm -hmm. Um, And Anthony Hill was having his way with it. Right. I, I feel like um, I'm, I'm really, really in, in one of those things where I think his progress is going to be steady. And then when he gets game experience, it's going to take a a different turn. Um, He's already ready in so, in so many ways, he's going to need to be the guy that gets some game experience. And then you'll see more and more improvement uh, out of there. Um, I, actually, I talked to somebody today and, and uh, Arch came up and uh, they said he's in a great headspace right now. Um, it really worked hard, went back, worked hard uh, in between the break after the uh, spring semester and then the summer one began. Um, and that he he is loves Sark. He loves Millwee. He loves the offense, and he just wants to compete. Okay, guys, this is going to be the last question tonight, and this comes from Jared Voswinkel. Uh, At some point in time, a school catches massive recruiting momentum, like Clemson right now. Where does it come from? Is it a calculated move? Is it luck or both? I think it's a great question, and um, here's my thought on it. For Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all these kids grew up watching them in the college football playoff, win a national championship, play for a national championship. Um, Look, I mean, the kids who are 20, 
24 kids. Um, how old were they when Clemson won those two national titles? Clemson's had a lot of guys drafted. Clemson's continued to win. Um, I think have they slipped a little bit? I do think they have, but they're continuing to win. Um, so look, they've put Dabo's done a great job with that program. He's done things there nobody ever has, and probably nobody will ever do again, honestly. Um, so you got to give him credit for that. Um, that's what these kids, these kids know those four schools. This move to the SEC for Texas is a big one. Uh, kids pretty much consider Clemson an SEC school because they've watched them play against the SEC teams in the in the national title game. So that's really where things are at. Does Dabo love to get that early momentum? Yeah, we talked about that earlier. He doesn't target the last visit weekend. He targets the first visit weekend. He tries to build that momentum very much like Matt Brown. Look, there's articles you can look up on Dabo. He came to Austin when he was building this thing, when he couldn't beat Steve Spurrier for in-state guys. He came to Austin and spent a week with Matt Brown, learning what Matt Brown does from a recruiting perspective. People can look it up. So he's really copied a lot of what Matt did. He's just won at a higher level for longer. I got to say this. Um, it is calculated in some ways. Um, it's also a bit of luck. Uh, let's take Texas, for example, a year ago. Yeah. Arch Manning. That's not luck. I mean, they recruited him hard. But when it happened, the floodgates opened. Right. Right. And so um, it's it's a little bit of both is, is my opinion. Um, I will say uh, that it's not I mean, Georgia will get hot for a time. Ohio State will get hot for a time. Alabama gets hot for it tends to go in waves of about a month, a month's time. That seems to be kind of kind of what happens. The, the key, though, is to capitalize when you are hot. Right. It's 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 one of those things where you don't want to be still waiting on guys, uh, too many guys uh, too late in the process. Otherwise, you, you missed your chance to really take advantage of it and capitalize. Well, great question. Great answers. Great insight. And uh, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the On Texas Football live stream. Of course, we want to thank our super chats, Justin Yarbrough, Freelance Society, Jake Faust, Manuel Posada and Ryan Nelson. Thank you guys so much. For Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll be back next Tuesday.